All you Hive Jive junkies out there, this is The Hive Jive. It was a dark and stormy night. Okay, not really. The storm itself actually came a little bit later. So instead, it was a normal, loud evening in the forest. This is actually what the forest sounds like out here this time of year. Not as uh, peaceful and quiet as one might expect. So, just a normal night in the forest. I'm quarantining downstairs in the basement, still trying to recover from COVID, yay. And I've been filling my time binge-watching sci-fi and paranormal-type unsolved mysteries, things along these lines, things that, you know, kind of make you think something goes bump in the night and gives you goosebumps and chills, when all of a sudden, something actually went bump, or rather, a huge thud. It was about 9, 10, 9.15 p.m. on Saturday evening. As soon as I heard this crash... I actually kind of felt it reverberate, which really shocked me and kind of caught me a little bit off guard. So I jumped up and immediately the dogs upstairs started throwing a fit. So I go grab my mask and rush upstairs because, again, everybody is segregated and separated for quarantine. And as I reach the top of the stairs, the dogs come rushing towards me from the front door and I open the gate and then I head towards the front door And Kevin is standing mostly outside the front door, staring over towards the trash can. And I asked, I was like, what happened? And he said, I think it's a bear. And I'm like, why are you outside if there's a bear? He goes, well, I think it's just a cub. And about that time, this big black arm reaches out from behind the car, opens up the lid of our 90-gallon trash bin, which had just been laid over on its side. Hence the giant crthud. As the lid opens, this giant head reaches in, grabs the only bag of trash that's in there, and then pulls it out and disappears behind the car. We both stand there as the bear moves and turns and walks out past the end of the car and around off into the forest, at which point we were finally able to get the flashlights on it. And it turned around and looked back at us kind of in regards a couple of times as it walks off into the forest carrying this bright white trash bag. Unfortunately for the bear, and later unfortunately for us, there really wasn't much in that trash bag that would have interested a bear. (laughs) There was no real food products or anything like that. It was mainly just wrappers and containers and such. We stood there shining the flashlights on the bear, watching it as it disappeared off into the forest, kind of a northeasterly trajectory out between our house and our neighbor's house up the hill. Quite a bit of excitement. We've been here now for nine months, never witnessed a bear, never seen a bear, never heard a bear. And this one basically comes right up to the front door and says, hi, (laughs) welcome to the neighborhood. After we all kind of calm down and go back to our segregation, I go back downstairs, sit down in the chair, push play on my paranormal TV show that I'm watching. And suddenly the dogs start throwing a fit again. And this is about 15 minutes after we came back inside. So maybe 20, 25 minutes total 
after the first initial ordeal had occurred. So again, I jump up, grab my mask, and go running upstairs. And when I get upstairs this time, Kevin is not outside the door. He is standing inside the door, and he's kind of looking up towards the lights. And he makes this remark, man, there's a lot of bees flying around the porch lights for some reason. As soon as he said that, my heart sank, and out of my mouth was basically, wow, there is a beehive not that far from the house. And as soon as I heard that there were bees flying around the lights, I already knew it was too late. So the bear didn't find what it wanted in the trash bag, came back this direction, and came across the actual beehive. This was the top bar beehive that had the conversion for the Langstroth nuke on the end of it. And I had left that up there. And the Langstroth nuke itself is not anything that's going to withstand anything. It was corrugated plastic, one of the easy nuke boxes. It had five frames in it, fully drawn out. And then there were an additional 12 bars of comb inside the actual top bar hive body where they had expanded off into that. Go outside, run to the end of the deck, turn on the spotlights and shine them down towards the hive. And sure enough, the hive is upside down. The bear is plopped down on its butt with its feet sticking out in front of it, staring back up at us, bees flying everywhere. And... It, it really, at the time, didn't really look like it knew what to do or how to get into the hive. The hive had one of the corrugated metal tops that had been bowed over it and was ratcheted down and held pretty tight, which managed to hold all of the bars and all of the comb kind of in place, only upside down. The problem was the corrugated plastic nuke box, which at that point was just held on basically by duct tape just to hold it firm up against the side of the hive. Well, that is now perpendicular to the hive body, telling me that it has ripped apart from that, and depending on which way it's laying, the comb is potentially exposed. It could also be laying with the comb facing the ground, which would have kept the box wrapped around it, but it was really hard to tell from the upper deck looking back down there at it. The bear sits there and stares at us, so we start making some noise. We're shining the flashlights on it, and this was about the time that I ran inside, and my thought was really the only thing I can do, because I don't actually want to hurt the bear, the only thing I could do is pop it with the pellet gun just enough to kind of maybe make it hurt more than a bee sting or, or on equal par to it um, and see if I could get it to chase it off. Well, coming out on the bottom deck and pumping up the gun, plus the rest of the, the sound and the lights and stuff shining on it, was plenty for the bear. And it, it ended up, again, backing off into the forest. I didn't even have to use the, the pellet gun whatsoever. And I didn't really want to hurt the bear. I understand the bear itself is really, it's looking for food, winter's coming up, and brood is high in protein and high in fat. And of course, you know, a beehive, especially a top bar beehive, is really fair game <laughs> for this bear. But it wasn't something that we had ever really thought we were going to come across because they have not seen a black bear on our side of the mountain on this side of the lake in about seven years or more. And on the other side of the lake, up on the next ridge and the next mountain over, there was a, an instance about three years ago where there was a black bear. They trapped it and removed it from the property. And it kept showing up in some people's swimming pool at the top of the mountain. And so they got that one trapped and removed. And then the next year, I'm not really sure, honestly, how many months were between there, but there were a couple of bear cubs that showed up near the same area, maybe half a mile 
from where the bear was showing up in the pool. So it, it is honestly possible that that could have been the mama bear and then these cubs were then displaced and uh, they called out fish and game and they came out and trapped those as well and relocated them. So, But that's the only time that there's been any instances of the black bear right around in this general vicinity. So we knew it was a possibility they could migrate through. But again, I didn't really think <laughs> that we were going to run across one, especially within our first year of being here. But, you know, best laid plans and all. So the bear leaves, goes off into the woods. Thunder is actually starting to rumble in the sky at this point. You can see lights kind of flashing in the distance. And a storm is moving in. There's a small kind of supercell thunderstorm moving in. So the hope was this storm's going to hit. It's going to cause enough commotion that the bear should be distracted. And, and that should be it for the night. So everybody comes back inside, you know, again, back off to our segregation go and sit down, start watching TV, and the storm really picks up. It is thundering and lightning. The windows are flashing. You can feel things rattling from the thunder. And the rain from in the bedroom, I thought the rain was actually wind. But when I walked out into the main part of the lower level, I could hear it was just a torrential downpour. Well, now, unfortunately, depending again on which direction this corrugated nuke box is facing... If it's facing with that opening up, the bees are literally just getting soaked. So this is not good. I mean, it, it already was kind of like, well, you know, best case scenario, maybe some of the combs broke from it flipping upside down. I can get out there, use the rescue bars, put it back together tomorrow. Uh, but now we've got this torrential downpour. So water's potentially going to be running through that corrugated lid, which is now upside down, channeling water in there. It's also going to be raining directly into this corrugated nuke box that's open, so the brood is going to be chilled. Anything that was in there, eggs and things like that, probably aren't going to be viable depending on the positioning of everything. So it's already starting to look kind of bleak and gloomy. But there's not anything that we can do about it tonight. I'm not about to suit up and go out there in the dark with a big black bear out there. And obviously, I'm not going out there in the lightning and the rain either. So just basically hunker down for the night and wait for first light in the morning to come. When the sun does rise on Sunday morning, and I go down and open up the lower back door that kind of faces down the, the side of the hill to where that top bar was, I can see that it is no longer in the same position that it was the night before, which this is now worst case scenario. That means that after the short storm went through, at some point in the night or in the wee hours of the morning, the bear came back to finish what it had started. And this time it was undisturbed and it had all the time it needed to. And it basically annihilated this top bar. So it started with the box. It picks up the nuke box, carries it down the hill, and then starts taking the frames out of the box. And it carried two or three of them down and set down underneath this massive tree and just started scraping everything off of the frames and, and chewing and gnawing on it until it had literally taken the wax back down flush with the plastic. And these were brood frames. These were frames that had the larva, capped larva brood, things like that in there. And like I said just a little bit ago, that's honestly what the bear's after. It is after the larva. They are high in protein and fat. They're very rich, and it is an amazing food source for the bears, especially heading into winter. 
honey, you know, Winnie the Pooh has, has told everybody that bears love honey. And yeah, they, they don't mind it, that's for sure. But the honey is literally dessert. The main course is the brood, and that's what they went after. After it had its time with the nuke box, it comes back to the top bar itself, literally picks it up and lays the end that is open where that nuke box used to set, upside down, mind you, lays it on a log. <laughs> so now it's got it at this 30 to 45 degree angle facing upward so that it can see down inside of it. And it proceeds to reach its long arms and claws down in there and just start tearing the comb right off of the bars. Only four or five bars were actually pulled out of the hive body itself. The rest of them are still in there, but the comb is just sheared straight off of them. And the interesting thing going through and looking at this this path of devastation after the fact, the aftermath of this black bear, was that all of the brood was completely consumed. And I managed to find either entire capped combs of honey or partial capped combs of honey that were completely undisturbed other than the fact that they had been ripped from the bars themselves. They were laying about on the bottom of the hive body, which technically now, because it's upside down, was the top um, laying on the bars but broken over. Or laying out in the forest in the leaves around in this scene of destruction. And he didn't eat all of the comb that had the capped honey in it. The thing that the bear was really most interested in, again, was the brood. And it it took the bars. There was one bar I joked later and said that he must have used this one as uh, his toothpick to clean out his teeth afterwards because it was one of the rescue bars when I first did the transition and was moving some things around. And the bees had filled that completely with brood. And the bear ate it, sheared it off. But since how it couldn't get it completely loose because it had this rescue bar in it, it actually carried it off down there with the other frames that it had the brood down by the tree. And sat there and picked and pulled at it until it had actually straightened out all of the metal hanging apparatus that's inside the center of one of these rescue bars. <laughs> it was, it was quite, the, quite an interesting sight. So looking around, the bees are obviously distraught. They are demoralized. They are flying around everywhere. And I was wholly expecting them to just be vicious and uber defensive, but they weren't. They were just in desperate, shock and confusion flying around trying to find home. And so looking through everything, again, total of roughly about 17 pieces of comb total, five in the nuke box that were in frames and then another 12 or so that were inside the top bar. Out of 17 possible pieces of comb, I was only able to salvage three frames. That was it, out of everything. And I put those in one of the plastic molded solid plastic nuke boxes um, went down there got the hive stood back up moved it back up to where it was picked up all the bars and kind of put them back up over the top of it and then set this little table that i had down there which had been knocked over i usually put my smoker and things on that so i set that table up there next to it and i set this plastic nuke box there and then i pick up these frames they do still have bees on them but there's also small clumps and piles of bees everywhere scattered throughout the area. So I take the frames and I put them inside this plastic nuke box. And then I go around and I start scooping up handfuls of bees, carrying them up and dropping them into this plastic nuke box with the frames. 
at this point, there's so much chaos going on. There's absolutely no way to figure out whether or not there's a queen present. I don't want to take everything apart and look. They've been through enough. All I'm trying to do at this point is basically just give them a central location that has the majority of the bees and has some comb in it and some pheromone so that they can start fanning and they can start pulling the rest of these bees that are just flying around aimlessly to that central location right beside where their hive used to set. So it's a it's a kind of a known area where they were oriented on anyway. So I set that up there. We let them have the rest of the day to go through and continue kind of gathering and balling up on the front of this. And then that evening I went back out there because I was certain that at this point it's going to end up being basically probably a repeat scenario at this point. I'm, I'm certain that the bear is going to come back that night and just finish anything off. And I don't want to leave this little plastic nuke box setting down there, even though it's a solid molded one instead of the corrugated plastic. It's nothing to a bear. I mean, he, he could knock it over and the top's going to pop off or he could just shred it. And so I go down light the smoker and I start puffing it around the front of the entrance, trying to get as many of the bees to go up inside the box as I possibly can. Once the majority of them are in there, I go ahead and I close the entrance and I bring it back inside the house. Of course. <laughs> I mean, where else am I going to put it? If I put it up on the upper deck or the lower deck, the bear's probably just going to show up there. So I went ahead and brought it inside, set it down, made sure that it was in a nice place where it was cool, didn't have any drafts or anything like that, and it was in the dark, and uh, left it down here in the basement overnight. And then uh, we kind of set up a little series of booby traps here and there just to kind of make a bunch of noise and stuff if the bear was to go through, uh, hopefully dissuade it and make it uh, go off somewhere else. And luckily, we made it through that second night without any incident. And I was a little bit nervous because I, I did also go and take some of the sonic sound makers from around the chicken coop, which we usually use to, I guess, entertain the raccoons. Because at this point, even when you change positions of them, the raccoons, half the time, there's one that will actually pick up the damn sonic thing and like toss it off to the side. <laughs> Almost as a middle finger to me being like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I had taken these and I had kind of put them down around some of the areas where the bear had been so that, again, something to make noise. Uh, we set up some little trip wires that had aluminum cans and rocks and things so they'd clang together and make noise if something walked through it. And uh, there was really no evidence that next morning that the bear had been back out there. None of the, the little ropes had been broken. Everything was still intact. It didn't see any bear tracks or anything. And thank God the chicken coop didn't get ravaged because that was my thought after the fact was great. Well, now maybe that's what kept the bear from going near the chickens was the sonic things. And now I've moved those. But luckily the bear spent last night, apparently kind of in the same Valley area, but up to the West of us, um, kind of over towards the main highway. It was sighted briefly over around the high school, which is kind of at the end of my road or at the top of my road. Technically I'm at the end of my road. And uh, if you went down and hiked through the valley and kind of followed the lake and the river and stuff around and then went up this other side of this other hill, you'd eventually get up to the highway. And that, that was kind of the other area that it was seen last night. So it did not come back by here. Uh, the plan is probably going to be to pick the bees back up again tonight and bring them back inside. I know that's a very daunting thing, but again, it's only three combs inside this plastic box at the moment. I'm going to give them two or three days before I actually try to open it up and go through and do a full assessment of what is left. There's a good amount of bees, but even still, there's only three comb. 
there is nothing else. And we're at the very end of August. We're coming up on September. There is no time to draw out new comb. And I don't know if they would. I mean, they just went through this traumatic experience and there's a lot of bees. So maybe if I started feeding them, they might start drawing out comb. But I haven't really decided what I'm going to end up doing yet. I don't know if it is going to be leave them in the nuke box and steal a couple of drawn comb from the other hive, the other Langstroth hive, or if it's going to be give them some empty comb with foundation and see if they will draw it out. Um, I don't know. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, I may ultimately end up having to combine them with the other Langstroth hive and just call it good. But I am currently going through trying to figure this out. I could build a two by nuke box out of the two by lumber and have something nice and thick and insulated that I could possibly put them in. And they would potentially overwinter, especially if I fed them. If I could at least get them to draw out two more comb in there, they probably would be okay ultimately. But again, never know. But it's not necessarily looking good. If they don't have a queen, that's a whole different scenario. I will have to go and take a frame with eggs and larvae if I can find one this late in the season from the remaining Langstroth hive and bring it up here and put it into this nuke so that they can attempt to raise a new queen. And then you have that whole gamble of, well, if they do successfully raise one, are there any drone congregations around here? If so, is there enough population of the drones to be able to go through and actually mate with the queen? So this still could be kind of a fool's errand. I still may end up ultimately having to combine them with that other colony. But again, only time will tell. So future plans looking forward. Um, back down to one hive. <laughs> Technically, I've got one hive and something that could be construed as a nuke, but we won't know until we find out if there's actually a queen in there. Um, I'm not really sure. The, the, the hives were spread out. I can't really put them in one location that could be easily fenced. I don't necessarily want to put up electrical fences everywhere. And then I also have the challenge of the forest canopy. If I do go through and, and set up an electrical fence, there's not a big enough opening in the canopy there to really get true sunlight in there to charge the solar versions of the electric fences. Cause that's kind of what I would need would be the solar version. I don't want to necessarily try to run power down through the forest to try to make this work. So lots of challenges, lots of things to think about. What I did go ahead and do is order some sonic tripwire devices that are actually tested on bears and specifically black bears, and they will scare them off. They emit an extremely loud, like 130 decibel, hurt the human ears, loud alarm system of annoying up and down high-pitched chirps. And these things are set up to where you can actually hook them on a tripwire, run that around the area, and anything that walks through that wire and causes the pin to basically be pulled from this tiny little black plastic device sets off that alarm. And so I've ordered a bunch of those. I can very easily set up little trip wires around the hive locations. That's not necessarily that big of a deal to do. And once these things are tripped, they emit that horrific noise for 30 minutes solid or until you go out there and actually put the pin back in it and deactivate it. So that's my initial plan right now is to do that. I think <laughs> that's the, the first thing we're talking to the fish and game and wildlife department and Hopefully, they may come out and attempt to trap the bear. That's what they've done in the past years on the other side of the lake where they've had black bears start showing up around populated areas. So hopefully, 
fish and game can come out here. They set up this massive trap with some peanut butter and the bears actually kind of sniff that out and, and get in there and then they get trapped and then they haul that bear off and take it out to an unpopulated area of one of the national forests or something. So that would kind of be best case scenario. Um, fingers crossed. We'll see. I'm, I'm still waiting to officially hear more details back on that. But who knows? I mean, between the bees and the chickens and everything else, there there's no telling. Uh, bears can wander a wide path and area. He could have literally just been passing through. But he might have also decided that between my beehive and uh, my neighbors, they have this 10-foot pole that has a bunch of different types of bird feeders on the top and things for nuts and seeds and stuff. And it has this cylindrical, maybe 10-gallon volume of concrete block on the bottom of it that held it into the ground. And the bear... I don't know if he tried to climb up it or if he literally just pulled it out of the ground. But anyhow, the whole thing was ripped out of the ground and is laying over on its side. And the bear ate all the rest of the seeds and nuts and everything that were in there for the birds. So, yeah, uh, who knows? If if the bear thought that there was enough food around here and it was tasty, it could come back. And the neighbor at the very bottom of the mountain has a whole menagerie of animals down there. She's got chickens as well, but she's also got llamas and alpacas and donkeys and miniature donkeys. And I don't know, I think there may be goats down there. There's, there's all kinds of wildlife down there. And I don't know that a black bear is necessarily going to try to take on those things, but there are there is plenty of game around here to feed a bear. Let's put it that way. So he could come back. He, she, I actually don't know if it's a boy or a girl, no clue. Um, did not actually have any cubs with it, even though Kevin originally thought there was a bear cub on the uh, patio. <laughs> that was not the case. Um, so we don't know. We don't know if it will come back. It could have, again, like I said, migrated through. It could decide that this is where it's going to make its den for the winter and, and hold up because it's found food around here that is nutritious. So I hope that's not the case. But if it is the case, then, you know, we can hope that the fishing game and wildlife system is able to get out here and get it trapped, get it carried off. Fingers crossed. <laughs> that's about all I can do at this point. So, yeah, there you go. There's the story of the black bear. My first encounter with a bear out here in the southern Ozarks, and uh, what an experience. It is both exhilarating and terrifying all at the same time. Um, it, it gives a whole new dynamic now when I take the dogs out for their last bathroom break after dark around 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. Every little sound <laughs> makes you paranoid, shining the flashlights and the spotlights everywhere, making sure it's good. So there you go. That's, uh, I didn't expect to put another episode out quite this soon, um, but I just thought everybody should have a audible account of this experience that I just went through. And, you know, if, if nothing else, it's more for your listen, listening enjoyment, listening pleasure, but maybe, you know, there's, there's some bits of information in there that could help somebody else out or who knows, uh, maybe it'll at least, if you're in an area where there are bears, let you know what you could possibly expect. So there we go. I will give more updates as things come along and as I learn more about it. But for now, I uh, leave you all with that. And I hope that you have a great morning, evening, night, whatever time of day it is you're listening to this. I hope everybody is well and I hope everybody is safe. And as always, be good. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to The Hive Jive. We appreciate you joining us on our beekeeping adventures. And you can find out more information about today's episode online at thehivejive.com. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>